You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to your local watering hole. I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and recording day, having fun with Christy Morris. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Uh, anyways... <laughs> With my freezeway, I, I will stop this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we're going to have some fun tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about something that came out uh, quite a while ago, honestly, now. But, uh, you know, it uh, it definitely, at its time, it took the world by storm. And, and honestly, it'll be interesting talking about it, I think, Christy, because as I was thinking about it, kind of the reason it came out was because there was just this lull and stuff because of what was going on in the world. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and we're kind of in that place now. Where we're going to be talking about this because movies that we were going to talk about aren't coming out right now. Mm-hmm. So before uh, we do dive into all of that, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us here on the 602 Club, having fun. Um, we're going to be uh, just enjoying ourselves tonight and so as you uh, listen to this episode, you know, think about giving us a star rating review over on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, help uh, other people find the show. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So whether that's, you know, Spotify or any of the podcatchers, uh, you want to make sure you're subscribed so you get the show as soon as it drops. You can find us all over social media, of course, uh, Trek FM on Twitter, and of course, we're on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. You can also uh, go to the listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference, where you can enjoy uh, you know, listeners from all over the world talking about the different shows here happening. And uh, you can go to Trek.fm, which is our website. And if you go to the contact section, you can send Christy and I an email. Um, and so you can you know, send us about anything that you want to talk about or anything we've talked about on the show. Or maybe you have ideas. Maybe you just want to send us a note and say hi. We'd love that too. So, uh, And then I want to say a huge thank you to our associate producers here through Patreon. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, Daniel Noah. Really appreciate these gentlemen supporting the 602 Club as well as the entire network. Um, as you know, this is a massive network, or maybe you don't know, we have so many podcasts. And with a network this size, we need your help to make sure that all of the shows keep coming to you each and every week. And the only way to do that is through listeners just like you. You can go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be part of our team. There are some great contribution levels, but honestly, every little bit helps. Um, so go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can help us out. Uh, so Christy, mm-hmm. uh, as if people didn't know, if they're coming into the show, we're talking about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, uh, which was released there in 2008. And so um, I wanted to ask you... Like this, because this is a really interesting thing. 
uh, because a lot of people found this kind of in a variety of different ways. And so I wanted to know how you first found Dr. Horrible and his sing-along blog. I actually encountered it because of my husband. Uh, Back when we were dating, actually, it was in 2010, early 2010. So it was not long after Dr. Horrible came out. And we actually, um, he started getting me into Dr. Horrible and other different web series at the time that were a budding medium. Um, and we got really into the characters and the music and everything. And um, actually, since then, got to see Felicia Day actually in um, panels at Dragon Con and meet some of the people that she worked with on other web series projects like the guild. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then actually in 2016 at Dragon Con, I played Fury in the Evil League of Evil in the stage version nice. of Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Nice. And I have pictures. That's really cool. Well, and I know, um, you know, that, uh, different members of the cast have actually showed up to those at Dragon Con. Um, mm-hmm. So, which is super cool. Uh, I've never been to one of those at Dragon Con while I was there, but still very neat uh, that they would do that. So, And the whole thing, too, was very grassroots oriented. It, we were lip syncing, mm-hmm. and we had to provide our own makeup and costumes. So everybody just brought everything we had from home and traded stuff for the evening. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. You know, I when I came to this, it was just it was not too long uh, after it had come out um, because uh, it was first available on Hulu, and I didn't have Hulu, um, so I got it on iTunes when they released it on iTunes, uh, which was a big deal uh, because like everybody was kind of talking about it. Uh, and so that's that's how I ended up watching mm-hmm. it. Um, and I still have those copies. That's, a, you know, it's a w- went back to to watch them. And so um, but I think it's so interesting how this series just comes about, because, you know, as I mentioned there at the beginning, you know, this this really the genesis of this is because of the Writers Guild strike in 2007 and 2008, which had a massive impact on uh, really television, but also movies. Um, but, you know, with with many movies, at that point, you're already so far into production or whatever, you can still make it through. Um, this, this strike actually hurt, uh, cause, uh, not Casino Royale, but Quantum of Solace, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because Daniel Craig and the director actually had to rewrite that script themselves because they couldn't ask writers to do that so uh that's just one example of something that was being hurt during this time period and so without a lot coming out joss whedon and his brothers get together and they decide to create this thing um which would be kind of inexpensive and would circumvent all the issues being protested during the strike Mm -hmm. but also create new content so i mean it's not surprising that this thing kind of took off like it did because there wasn't a lot new coming out i mean uh, you you could still again you could still go to the movies there were still new movies but there just wasn't a ton of other content coming out um i mean i remember tv shows having to like uh gray's anatomy at the time it's four seasons only like normally they're um 
24 episode seasons, 25 episode seasons or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they only had 16 episodes that year because they, there wasn't anything they could do. Yeah. So uh, just, I mean, they basically just, they capitalize on the market. And two, I mean, if you think about a lull like we're currently experiencing again, like you mentioned, and then at the time, of course, with the writer's strike, that it also spurs more creativity, clearly, because then things like this came out as a workaround, because creators still wanted to create something. And Mm -hmm. power to them, too, getting together with each other, you know, their family and putting this together. But I think that it was a good thing and a bad thing. I think that obviously you see all of the losses that happened financially because of the strike, but ultimately they had a point to go on strike. And then there's things like this that came out because of it as well, even though, you know, things hadn't been resolved yet. Um, So I think that it was a good thing that it happened, but I remember at the time thinking, this has never happened in my life before. I don't, this is very uncertain where it would go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do, I do think that that's just really interesting. Um, and I, I would say the thing that as I was thinking through this, you know, and, and, and people finding a way to make it through a, a really difficult time and find a way to create content, mm-hmm. um, it is fascinating to me just how much I feel like they, I mean, this is something that came out on Hulu, right? And so um, th- what's fascinating to me about this is just how I, I feel like they really predict streaming in a way that like, because streaming services existed then, but they didn't have the same... Uh, type of clout that they do now right like we weren't as dependent on them right right um and so uh to create new and original content um that only came out in a streaming service was just not really something that happened like this and so um i think you know you you kind of see that they're really predicting how the landscape is going to change um and so it, it and I think the 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 success of this really kind of showed the validity of creating content like this that could be consumed digitally, you know. Yeah. And um, so I think that that's just something that I, I was really struck by going back and remembering, you know, why this existed and all of that. Um, I mean, just fascinating to me. And I have to add too that I was kind of predetermined to love this because it's a Joss Whedon production. I just always seem to love everything that he writes. I loved Firefly, Buffy, Dollhouse, all of that stuff. And, you know, he's well known as being the person whose stuff is getting canceled a lot. And so I think that it's also a a great accomplishment for him to get to finish something. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, it's it's fascinating because, you know, I was just I had I did a little research in that um, Netflix didn't really expand its business uh, from, you know, doing the DVD thing, which is what it started off mm-hmm. as until uh, about 2007. And 
Um, it's really like 2012 where they really start to take more of an active role uh, in pro- uh, producing and distributing its own stuff. And so, again, you know, you see here um, with with Hulu doing this with Joss Whedon and his brothers, um, you, really kind of showing, again, I think, where we would go. Um, now, uh, it's... Um, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, really loving everything that Joss Whedon had done. Um, I'm on the opposite spectrum of that. Like, I like some of the stuff that Joss Whedon mm-hmm. has done, but I found a lot of his stuff derivative and not great. Like, <gasps> I don't really like Firefly. <gasps> uh, I didn't, I mean, anything like Dollhouse or any of those things, I I did. I could care less about. <sighs> um, so I'm just not a Joss Whedon fanboy. Um, and, you know, I mean, but I, I, on this other side, you know, I liked his original Avengers film, you know, things like Did you like, like Buffy the Vampire um, Slayer? I don't like vampires whatsoever. Do you like so Sarah Michelle Gellar? Watching <laughs> um, I do like Sarah Michelle Gellar, but the thought of like watching a whole show devoted to like vampire killing, it just, it, it's just not my thing. I, I don't, okay. I really have not enjoyed any stories I've read with vampires it's just not my genre. So, um, no, I am just not one of those people. I, I, I'm not a Joss Whedon fanboy. Okay. But that said, you know, this was a, I mean, watching this, I think this really does show, you know, uh, a lot of the strengths that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, his quirky sense of humor, his sense of humor in general, I think works perfectly for all of this. So, um, and I, you know, this is something where, it's kind of neat for them because this is also a time where they just have this amazing freedom to not only create what they want to create, but the freedom that they had that the story dictated how long the episodes were going to be. And so that also kind of predicted in some ways what streaming was able to do. Um, And even shows like, you know, uh, HBO, you know, where, you might have some episodes that are like 47 minutes and then you might have some episodes of a show that are like an hour and 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not bound by time like that. And so here, you know, they aimed for like 30 minutes and they ended up with 42 minutes worth of material. Um, and that's not a problem. So again, I think they really just showed um, how some of the freedoms of this digital medium really helped, uh, uh, you know, creatives not be in a box um that said you know oh well your episode has to have um you know 42 minutes so that we can have commercials and every episode has to be 42 minutes and your seasons are going to be this long you know like so to me it's absolutely fascinating um that you know when this came about this really is kind of the thing that became everything you know yeah i'm really glad that you mentioned that too it it really shows that um sort of illustrates the point that you've been driving home all along of liking the director's cuts having control over Mm -hmm. your own work and not having editors coming in from a studio and taking out things that the director feels are essential to telling the full story So I think that that's huge here because they get to tell their story in the amount of time that it needs, not the amount of time that it's being reduced to for somebody else. 
Ah, that's great. No, that's so true. Well, and not just that, but it's it's they don't feel bound to have it go longer than it should. Right, yeah, like know? stretching um, it out when there's mm-hmm, no story. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh and I, I wanted to add as well something that I forgot to put in the outline, but um, it also follows traditional like stage theater format instead of looking like a film. They actually show you a title card, act one, act two, act three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Neil Patrick Harris, who's the star, is actually a frequent theater actor as well. Yeah, and he's hosted the Tonys before, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he actually, it's a great time to start talking about the cast, uh, uh, and so, you know, um, I think uh, what's so fascinating is he's such a perfect choice here uh, for the role of, of Dr. Horrible, uh, who's trying to get into Bad Horses, Evil, League of Evil, mm-hmm. um, and I I still, I legitimately still use his phrase, it's about standards. <laughs> Um, when he's talking about how, like, some people forget the laugh. I mean, the laugh is everything, you know? Uh, it, it's about standards. What, do you think Bad Horse uh, didn't know, work on his death winnie? And his winnie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I think, like, the this is where I think, you know, Joss Whedon's genius comes in, his quippy dialogue, mm-hmm. his banter, um, but... But the thing about it is, is that Neil Patrick Harris is so perfect at pulling off that like awkwardly lovable person for most of this, Mm -hmm. that that's exactly what you want. Because this whole story is, is really Dr. Evil trying to me truly, truly earn his, what he says, he has a PhD in horribleness, but he really, this whole story is about him earning his PhD in horribleness, Mm -hmm. right? And... So I think that um, what we see here is you have this character who's really able to bring that to light. Uh, and it helps that he's a, he's a fantastic singer. He has great stage presence. And he's so funny and awkward and weird. And he's perfect for this role. Like, it's almost as if this role was made for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I just... Uh, I, I, I rewatching this um, from the beginning, you know, just having them start with him and his blog, yeah. you know, which I, I think it's so funny, the whole idea of a vlog, you know, like it, it's so that time period of like doing mm-hmm. this, it's just it, it, it encapsulates the character perfectly, like within a, you know, the snap of a finger, like, you know who this character is. And so. I, I, I'm, I'm just continuing to go on and on and I'm going to stop now so you can go yeah. on and on because I, I think I, I've said all I can say. <laughs> no, you're fine. If we're on the same page. I think that absolutely feels like it was written for him. I think that also having an actor. And it probably could have been, honestly. Yeah, maybe it was. <laughs> if you ask Joss, let me know what he says. Uh I mean, we're not we're not close, okay. as you uh, may have uh, heard earlier. Um, so, <laughs> so it'd be more likely to be me. He did ruin Justice League, so mm. you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, I actually really love that it's sort of even poking fun at the whole like YouTube vlog community mm-hmm. because you know, long time reader, first time writing, 
reading, you know, fan mail talking about meetups and stuff like that. I thought it was and the fact that he's reading emails yeah. is hilarious because nobody emails anymore, right? right? <laughs> and uh, and then also having those sort of classic villain tropes too of having a henchman and then even the two of them talking about he could be a henchman and he's like i'm not a henchman it just he yeah he's absolutely wonderful yeah yeah i mean um and and it's it's really interesting because <laughs> you know uh, he he's this character who you know he seems so much of the portrayal seems like there's this normalness to him. And then at the same time, what is he after? He's after, um, you know, the uh, he's he's after basically uh, anarchy, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and it, well, or him ruling it all, you know, um, because he just the world is such a mess, but he needs to. rule. Yeah. Um, and his only struggle is, is that he's he's. I wouldn't say in love with because, you know, uh, it's more like an Anakin situation. But yeah, he's kind of in love with this girl or at least has an attraction to this girl named Penny, who is the absolute opposite of him in like political beliefs and just her personality and her whole worldview, which, you know, um, you know, makes sense. So but it's crazy too how deep that is, because if you look at it, it's like. He and she are the representative of opposites attracting. He, You can see in his expressions how he admires her. And especially when he's listening to her sing about what she's trying to do for the homeless and that she believes that there's good in everybody's heart, that he's thinking, wow, these are such wonderful, beautiful things to hear. But he doesn't really believe them. He just admires her. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, what yeah. I felt too is like, he thinks what he wants is to be part of the evil league of evil, but he realizes later that the grass isn't always greener and that everything has a cost. It's absolutely interesting because um, really the storyline that uh, Joss Whedon is playing with here is, is, I mean, he just rips the story straight out of Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? Um you know, you have the the kid who thinks they that knows what he wants, and then it turns out that he doesn't really know what he wants. Um, and uh, the thing that he he is holding on to the most is the thing he ends up destroying. You know, so it, it's very Star Warsy uh, in that that sense. And um, I think it really works here, though, because. The, the thing that I really like about all of this is is this this idea of watching somebody kind of um you know destroy themselves mm-hmm. uh and I think it's it's something that I really appreciate in this kind of work uh because it's just a good message it's just a good reminder um uh, of what happens when um you know we we hold on to bad things you mm-hmm. know um and uh yeah i really i really appreciate uh the job that uh that they did here with that storyline and i think it it makes it poignant that um you know the thing he thinks he wants ends up destroying the th- the thing he th- he thought he loved 
Um, and, and he'll, he'll never get it back. Like it, it'll, uh, you know, he'll always, and in the end, like he's, res- he's, res- his actions are the responsible for the thing he thought he loved, you yeah. know? So uh, yeah, all again, all very Star Warsy and works perfectly, I think, um, uh, to, to create this story. And, and I really just, um, I I think the, the thing that I like most about it is you don't expect there to be that kind of um, depth. Yeah. Right? I mean, like we were saying for, you know, the first two thirds, the first two acts, you don't expect that coming at all because it's all just we're having fun. We're, you know, having plans foiled and we're goofy and awkward until suddenly I, I guess it it suspends your disbelief where you're you're not thinking that anyone's going to really get hurt and then you hear the song of Bad Horse communicating to him again, saying, now assassination is the only course. Right. Sincerely, Bad Horse. And so he's immediately right. questioning is saying, <laughs> am I evil enough to be able to kill somebody? Right. right. And I like even that they have him say, that doesn't take any creativity. That's not my thing. <laughs> and I think the thing about it is, is that, you know, before with him as a character, you know, and he does want to be in the evil league of eagle because he wants the respect that he thinks that it's going mm-hmm. to give him in this um this community right and i think one of the the lessons that i i found really fascinating about this whole thing is that you know what are the things that we we will do to be accepted by those we think we need to be accepted by uh yeah. and and how far will we go? And and that's really the question that he ends up facing. And what he finds is is that he will go a lot farther than he thought he would, um, because he is uh, going to kill Captain Hammer. Uh, at least we get that feeling like he's going to kill Captain Hammer. And, and what it results in is not Captain Hammer's death or his death. It results in Penny's death. And so, yeah, um, I think watching that play out, um, it's actually just really super sad. Um, and But I think, it, again, uh, as we're saying, it's just a really important lesson because there are too many people in this world who are ready to do t- stupid, crazy, ridiculous things to be accepted by people um, who, in the end, really don't care about them. Um and it's all like this popularity club and and contests and everything, and it and it honestly doesn't matter. And and that's kind of what we see uh, here in um in in this episode, you mm-hmm. know, like this the show. And I think I think that's that is great, you know. And like you said, you don't expect it whatsoever. Yeah, and it absolutely that's the best part about it because it ends up teaching you something that you didn't think you'd be getting out of this kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I think that it ends mm-hmm. up being a lot more um, meaningful because there's that element to it that gives it a lot more depth. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we have, uh, you know, the we, you, you've got to have the quote-unquote hero to the villain. Um, and Nathan Fillion, I guess, playing... Uh, would we call him the, the hero? He's um, more of an anti-hero, doctor, I guess. Captain Hammer. Yeah. So, what did you th- 
what did you think of him and his portrayal of 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 Captain Hammer? He was so good. And I think that it had to be the same kind of thing where you needed somebody that could stand up to Neil Patrick Harris as an actor. And actually, Nathan Fillion was the lead role in another Joss Whedon series, Firefly. And he just absolutely pulls off this hero, or he's supposed to be, but he actually is just self-obsessed and... um, is every bit as bad as Dr. Horrible because he does things for the credit when he's not actually that good a person. And so it it's, you actually side a lot with Dr. Horrible in their back and forth because at least Dr. Horrible is usually being himself, quote unquote, whereas Captain Hammer, Dr. Horrible doesn't understand why the world can't see the fakeness of Captain Hammer. And that he's not the Superman that everyone thinks he is. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that's actually kind of just, dis- uh, well, honestly, is really disturbing. Uh, this whole thing is that, is, is that you see uh, Captain Hammer being accepted by the world and, and, no, and, and people can't see how self-absorbed and kind of disgusting that he is mm-hmm. um, that he truly doesn't care anybody about and except himself. And, and honestly, there's very few people in the world who are better at playing that than Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is just very gifted at playing somebody who doesn't seem like they care at all about anybody but themselves. Um, uh, but yeah. And I mean, even, you know, you, you, you think about that song, that he sings right uh, at, at the at the um, the press conference, and it's just so disturbing. Everyone's a hero. Uh, yeah, everyone's yep. a hero, you know. Uh, but it really is just so disturbing um, because nobody can see. The, honestly, um, you know, at that point, you know, um, Doctor Horrible is sung about the evil inside of him, but. Really, what it comes down to is nobody can see the evil inside of what 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 we would consider evil of Captain Hammer, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's the thing I think I find the most disturbing about the whole thing is like, what is wrong with you people? Can you not see that this guy is just kind of awful, right? Like, I think my favorite part that they're revealing that is when he saves Penny, but he actually just threw her in the garbage. He didn't intend on saving her right is the point he pushed her out of the way and dr horrible says he threw you in the garbage because <laughs> he did right but um, yeah absolutely yes thank you uh, it's it's um it's like what are what are, what is I, I don't know uh, it's yeah. it's hard to describe because you just get really frustrated with why why can't people um why can't people see uh what what's going on and um yeah i think it just kind of shows the the way in which we're willing to be blind to these kind of things um and uh how how dangerous that is um to be blind uh to these kind of things and so yeah i i really i think you know again nathan fillion is the character to really play this i think he does it really well um and 
the, his portrayal is just so spot on that you're reminded that, that yeah, this is a character who who really doesn't care about other people, uh, and um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it, and it's funny that uh, to me, honestly, I feel like it's funny the depth that I I think you find uh, in this that you probably didn't expect to find um, in this series, like Mm -hmm. watching this, you know, you didn't, I don't think uh, this is just kind of this silly thing. And and then really it turns out to be something where it's, I I think it does have something interesting to say, like uh, when it comes to like hero culture and worshiping, you know, heroes that aren't really heroes, you know, and and all of those kind of things. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is great. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I, you know, I think that it's interesting too how they intertwine the stories and songs of the three of these characters together. Mm-hmm. You know, how um, mm-hmm. they're showing you yep. Dr. Horrible versus Captain Hammer, and then Penny is somewhere in the middle. Well, yeah. No, that's a great point. Um, so I, the fact that, that she kind of is, um, I mean, she's just, she really kind of represents the the normal person, right? Mm-hmm. Just the everyday person who's trying to live their life in a way that is there to help others, you know. And um, and it and that life isn't all just about her. Uh, and I think that's really interesting, um, you know, because we're not we truly are all heroes in our own way, um, and yet it's it's hard to uh, see that play out you know, um, otherwise. So yeah, I, Felicia Day obviously became a huge star with, and you mentioned like the Guild series, which is super funny mm-hmm. and well done. I really enjoyed that series. Um, but this was probably my first introduction to her. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, this is great. You know, she's very good uh, and very funny uh, in this series as being the uber lovable girl next door who has a heart of gold yeah she comes across very just super positive and like you said like the normal everyday one of us kind of person but who believes that there's still good in the world and life isn't all bad and to your point too not self-centered like the other two main characters (laughs) she's the opposite of them that is a great point not (laughs) self-centered Like she's the one of the few characters in this thing that isn't just here for her. Yeah. Like she's actually here for other people. And then you feel bad, especially when she's singing the song about just wanting people's signatures. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, yes. don't even have to read it. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, Penny. I wish people cared about your petition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. Um, I kind of got rewatching this and I was, you know, is that I wish there was more for her to do than yeah. just be kind of the, the back and forth between the guys. Um, but I do think she shows uh, uh, that great sense of being the the person that they will never be able to be, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. because they are so selfish, you know, and she is the complete juxtaposition to both of them, which is kind of fascinating. Um, I do just wish that she had even more to do, because I I mean, I always enjoy Felicia Day, 
partly because having seen the guild, she's just so funny and she's so good at oh, being yeah. kind of awkward and whatever. Here, she actually is playing, I think, a, a much different type of character, which is somebody who is less quirky uh, and a lot more just quote unquote kind of normal, you know. Um, so, mm-hmm. which is is kind of nice to see her get to do that. I just wish she had a, a little bit more to do with the role. Yeah, I think that ultimately by design she ends up being their pawn but also in a good way of like the unattainable thing for them not like her only purpose is being pawned off but um ultimately she's too good for the two of them and so they show that through also her dying um and neither one of them ever getting to really be mm-hmm. with her right well, and I think uh, there's there's a great thing in there, too, of, like, neither of them actually really knowing her. You know, that neither of them... Yeah. Uh, they just see her as, as something uh, almost... I hate to say this, but almost as just an object to be used um, yeah. for their own personal self and making themselves feel better. And they don't actually care, really, about getting to know her. And so... I think that's the the other interesting thing is that it brings out the selfishness in them when we realize that she isn't being given the opportunity to be known and loved for really who she is because it's not about her to them, which is kind of disgusting, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, you know, Dr. Horrible just wants acceptance and respect. And so he's willing to use her to get that because he says, well, she'll see I'll be the best. Mm-hmm. And Captain Hammer just wants to use her to get back at Dr. Horrible. He doesn't care about her at all. Yep. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, she's great. Uh, and, and Simon Helberg, and he's really kind of the last main kind of character that we see. And oh my gosh, he, he plays the world's worst superhero or henchman um, in the fact that his only superpower is making things moist, which is a word that I can't personally stand. Uh, and so, <laughs> but... I, I I think that idea is just hysterical because to me he seems like the reject from the X-Men because like what power what good is that power right unless you just want right. to creep somebody out yeah I love that they have him say at my most terrible all I can do is make people want to take a shower right <laughs> <laughs> and he's like trying to hold papers and they're just getting soggy and it, you know you just think Bless your heart. I wish you had a better superpower. Yep. <laughs> That's all I could say. <laughs> but yeah, he's so good. And I mean, anybody who's seen Big Bang Theory knows him as Howard. Um, he is just, you you pity him, but also love him. And I think that he was absolutely made for this kind of role. Yeah, he was perfect. Um, you know, it, it's funny because we, we touched on this a little bit, uh, Christine, but... I think I was really uh, surprised uh, as I was rewatching this just how much uh, the characters of Captain Hammer and the character of Doctor Horrible truly are a mirror for one another. They're they're mirrors for each other, you know. Um, and in the Justin Timberlake sense, and <laughs> that you know they're just wholly self obsessed. You know, and you and really, the the um, 
the two characters, they're not all that different. You know, even though Captain Hammer, as we talked about, is seen as the quote-unquote hero, um, he's all about himself, you know, and he's all about his own popularity, and he's all about, um, you know, all of those things. And in the end, so is so is Dr. Horrible. And, you know, even though we quote-unquote see them on different sides, they're they're really not on different sides. They're on the same side. Um, which is really just a person who only cares about themselves, and that's that's not um. They're both villains in the end, really. Yeah, they're they're both narcissists. That's mm-hmm. the word we were looking yeah. for. They are. Yep, they are. In, <laughs> they would fall into uh, Narcissa's mirror, uh, you know. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a great point. And you see it visually, too. Uh, like I was saying earlier, when they divide the screen, when they're singing. Um, oh, which song is it? It's um, My Eyes. And they're showing that, yes, they may be nemesises of each other, but they're the same. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that ultimately, like you said, they're both villains. I think that's an excellent point that there there really isn't someone to root for because both of these guys constantly make mistakes and are in love with themselves. And Penny is just their means to an end. And then they both end up causing their mm-hmm. own failure. Well, and I, I think it just shows how insidious the idea of, of selfishness is and, um, how villainous it is when when we see it played out with both of these characters because you kind of are revolted i mean what's interesting is that you you are somewhat on dr horrible's side for a while until you truly see his horribleness you know like and mm-hmm. um and then you're revolted by both of them really um because you know in the end Dr. Horrible, you know, he's responsible basically and mostly for Penny's death. And uh, he still joins the evil League of Evil uh, because, of course, he's killed somebody. He's assassinated somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's put <laughs> Captain Hammer into therapy. Uh, so, and and you see that he kind of got what he wanted. Um, and it, it doesn't really show too much remorse for him in that and i think there again you just you kind of see how both of these guys are are um kind of villains in the story and and it's it is slightly disturbing um to to watch these characters like that so although i will disagree a little bit and say i think that it shows that he doesn't change Mm -hmm. but that he does regret what happened because he didn't realize before Penny died that she, although she was used as his pawn, that he kind of um, his life purpose was ultimately impressing her. Mm. And now that she's gone, he got what he thought he wanted but it wasn't okay. really what I he can, wanted. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, uh, and I kind of like that idea that, you know, <laughs> strangely enough, this thing has enough depth that you can read it uh, a few different ways, which I, is great. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Uh, obviously, this is called Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. And so uh, the songs are a big part of this. And so instead of just kind of walking through them all, do you have a favorite? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Yes, I have multiple. But I'll tell you my top two. Uh, a Man's Gotta Do, because it, oh my gosh, so funny. And uh, and then I also love Everyone's a Hero. You know, I it's funny because I do think that my favorite is actually, it's still Freeze Ray. Um, I think it might be, mm-hmm. to me, it's, I think, the most clever of all the songs. Um, it's super fun. Um, so I really love that one. I, I love anytime they sing about Bad Horse because that's, you know, Oh, his, yes, his with chorus. the Cowboys. Yes, very funny. Yeah. And uh, I I also agree with you. I do think Everyone's a Hero is such a ridiculous, ridiculous song absolutely 100 percent ridiculous that it's hard not to enjoy the ridiculousness of it so yeah i mean yeah. I, I the biggest part of this is is really enjoying the songs and i think they're clever and they're funny yes. and, and really well done and of course they fit right in with the you know with the episodes so yeah i think they did a great job with with creating these so um i i don't love all of them but there are enough of them that i like that it makes it really fun to watch and i'm dying to know too if uh you also give an honorable mention to so they say oh oh my gosh that song <laughs> that song is really funny um especially because but makes of you captain terribly hammer. uncomfortable yeah because of the captain hammer groupies um <laughs> Wow, uh, this is a family show, so we can't mention what they talk about. Uh, okay, but it's so funny. Yes, uh, it yeah. is. Yes, um, yeah. So we'll they have his dry cleaning bill. It, they do. They yeah. They've got his dry cleaning bill. So um, I, the humor in this, I think we kind of talked about a little bit, but I I wanted to highlight that I think to me this is the perfect use of Joss Whedon humor. You know, he's he's known mm-hmm. for his quippiness and his quick comebacks at things, snappy dialogue. I think this is exactly the type of thing that he excels at. Um, and this is exactly the type of place that you want that in. And this is why it works so well. Um, you know, I don't think his style of humor works for everything. And that tends to be what he puts in everything. But I think here it it's it's absolutely perfect. Like. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's exactly what you want and need for this to work. Right. And like it, it really helps with having some of it being such sad, really, subject matter at distracting from that mm-hmm. for the first two acts of it. Um, and that it really, you think everything is just going to be happy-go-lucky and maybe they'll have some scares here and there but nothing really bad will happen until suddenly it does and you're going oh wow i thought you were kidding but you were for real okay and so it's it's great at showing too how humor can help you get through tough things and also at showing that not everything in here is going to be completely serious like i like that most of dr horrible Mm -hmm. in the first two acts is just you pity him because he keeps making so many mistakes. <laughs> but, you know, like the the whole thing with uh, 
the trans matter ray and he oh, says they yes. were in bar form. Yes, that that's hysterical. <laughs> it's it's hysterical. Yeah. No, I yeah. 100% agree. So, yeah, I do think that Joss Whedon's humor is very particular and that it has its place and here it works on every level. Um I think that it it also is just something personally I really identify with because that's how I've always gotten through tough situations in my own life is through joking about stuff so that it doesn't feel as tough as it would. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I guess it comes down to what would you rate Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog? Five out of five. Nice. Nice. Because, I mean, it. there's nothing in it that I don't like. I actually have the entire album of all the songs. Um, I listen to them on a regular basis and especially around dragon con time mm-hmm. so yeah i love it that's great uh yeah you know what i think i will probably go four and a half out of five um i think uh, re-watching this i was surprised about how funny i still thought it was which is always mm-hmm. a good thing you know you you sometimes you go back to something like this and you're not quite sure and yeah this was this is still super funny uh, and I enjoyed watching the entire thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I love it. Um, and I'm glad that I still own it. Like, you, you know, uh, it's some of those, it's sometimes that thing I kind of forget that I own, you know, uh, digitally, but yeah, mm-hmm. this is, it is really funny. So, um, we've got a recommendation, Christy. And so this week I'm wondering what you would like to recommend to everybody. So I am going to actually recommend something that we briefly brought up as another Felicia Day project because I was like, you know what? That reminds me how much I loved that. But I'm going to recommend the Guild. And so you can find that um, online. It's on um, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu and iTunes. Um, And it stars Felicia Day and also um, some other characters that are um, especially if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons or um, other games like that where you have a crew that you're doing missions with, you'll see that there's these um, character roles that are very common in all of them, like there would be in D&D. And it's just so funny. Will Wheaton makes an appearance. Um, it's got jokes about con culture um, and then about people that game too much. <laughs> So for me, it was like, oh, wow, these are all things I've experienced. So I highly recommend watching The Guild. That The Guild is hilarious. So absolutely agree with you. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to recommend, um, I have been reading, uh, there's a new comic that's come out as uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo are kind of uh, bringing everything they've been doing for the last few years together. Um, and uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal is out now. Um, the first two issues are, are out. And oh my gosh, um, them following up their Dark Knight's Metal is fantastic, as well as the work that they had been doing in their Justice League run. It's just great stuff. It is off the wall, off the chain, awesome comic book stuff. Uh, and I'm loving it, uh, and I can't wait for you know every issue to come out. And I'm really excited just to see, uh, because this is going to be a thing that kind of like, 
brings everything that's been going on in the DC universe uh, fully together from uh, what they did with, uh, you know, uh, Doomsday Clock and all of these things. So uh, it's great so far. So if you haven't been checking it out, it's worth it. And and their Justice League run is fantastic. Their Batman run and New 52 is fantastic. Metal was fantastic, and this has been great too. So I'm a really big fan uh, of these guys and what they do uh, and have been doing mm-hmm. in the DC Universe, and so it's worth checking out. But uh, Christy, before we let everybody get out of here, uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Bell. And aside from 602 Club, I do a couple of other shows. Uh, I do a show called Sabres and Spells with my friend Teresa on the Skynet Network. And we talk about uh, pretty much Star Wars, Harry Potter, Stranger Things, all kinds of stuff. I think actually next we're going to be talking about um, playing Dungeons and Dragons. So... I'm going to be DMing and Teresa is going to be playing. So, haha, my plan is all coming together. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, and then uh, I'm also on a show called Planet Leia on the Fanthatrax Network where we talk about uh, Star Wars from five different women from around the world. Well, and you could find me here on the network. Um, I'm also doing. The Orb with Chris Jones. When we get a chance, we talk about uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, you can find me on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is called Outpost. Doing that with Drea Kaufman as we're talking about Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. And then Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast with John Mills. Is Every week we talk about a new Star Wars topic. So make sure you check those out. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? here. 